Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Tyler Bobella. We talk about his journey from large corporate IT roles into startups, and eventually to LogicGate, where he started as a software engineer and worked his way up to a director of engineering role. I hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome, Tyler. Uh, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really, really excited to be here and uh, excited for this convo. Yeah, absolutely. So to introduce you, our guest today is Tyler Bobella, currently the Director of Engineering at LogicGate and has was the first engineering hire outside of the, the founders, right, that at LogicGate Correct. has been there all the way from, you know, the early days and it was one desk in 1871, Techstars, all the way up to now, just closed a big Series C round and 200 plus people. So excited to have you. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, it's been an exciting journey at LogicGate for sure. And thank you for uh, for having me on the show. Yeah. So can you just share a little bit about LogicGate and, and your role specifically and the team you, you oversee or manage Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good question. So um, my role specifically as director of engineering really goes into scaling the engineering org, making sure the engineering teams uh, working efficiently, making sure we're one of the most important hiring at, at, at the right pace, scaling out the engineering team as the business scales out and the, the entire organization uh, scales out. Um, Portions of it is operational as well, um, interfacing with other departments like product design, uh, customer success, maybe sometimes sales as well. Uh, having that more uh, holistic understanding of where the organization's going that you could then bring back to the engineering org and help push initiatives on and help um, uh, describe sort of where 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 we're going, so to speak. Um, yeah. So hiring some operational stuff, a lot of it. Uh, uh, that's actually my favorite part is mentorship, uh, mentoring uh, engineers from just a wide array of backgrounds, uh, boot camp, uh, I, I would say uh, probably traditional like academics and things like that, maybe having, you know, no boot camp, self-learned or self-taught um, all the way from I'm, I'm, I'm fresh, I'm new all the way to, you know, I'm I'm pretty senior, pretty tenured. I've, I've been in the industry for a while. So giving that mentorship and mentorships obviously broad so that could go technical non-technical and things like that which is honestly the most fulfilling part and the most exciting part for me i look forward to like my one-on-ones with my direct reports because it's it's an exciting growth uh time for them to to help them push them in the direction they want to go so uh, a little bit of everything i guess as you get into this director uh senior uh, uh leadership roles um operational hiring uh some technical occasionally and things like that yeah Great. And I, it sounds like you, you enjoy that, that the actual people aspect of it, right? I think a lot yeah. of um, people come from engineering backgrounds, end up in those roles, not necessarily because they want to be a manager, but more because they're the most senior engineer on the team. And sometimes those are skills, maybe they, they don't focus on all that much until they, they kind of have to, right? But it sounds like that's something that you actually enjoy. And that's always good to see in someone who's, who's leading that department, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I love relationship building, love talking with people. I'm just always fascinated by people's just wide array of experience. I learn so much from the people I talk to because they have a completely dis- different perspective, which like leads to uh, the importance of diversity sort of in the workplace and the team yeah. that you work on. Uh, 
uh, diversity, just an experienced background, everything uh, is, is super important to, to, to have that holistic view and have that understanding of where people are coming from. So uh, yeah, probably the, the, the best part for me is, is that section uh, of my job. Yeah. And, and what's the tech stack? It's Java JVM focused, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely got it. Uh, on the back, uh, Java, Spring Boot. Um, on the front end, uh, fully typed script out uh, with using Angular. Um, uh, and then for our database, which is a little unique, most people go like SQL or SQL, however you decide to pronounce it, uh, or no, no SQL, no SQL. Uh, we use a, a graph database that I guess at the, at the base level is no SQL, but, uh, it's called Neo4j that really powers, uh, the application. So adhering to all that type of, um, I have a node to a, re, uh, a re, with a relationship to another node and things like that, structuring our data in more of a graph, uh, which has really helped us, uh, uh, continue to be a front runner in the industry with the type of features that we could build and, and the the speed of iteration that we could do on those features. So um, yeah, that's that's I would say a, a high level on the DevOps side. Uh, very big into uh, uh, the HashiCorp is the company's mm -hmm. called uh, their containerization technologies, uh, Terraform, Nomad, uh, and things like that, uh, and on AWS. So yeah, that's a little bit high level, thirty thousand foot view cruising over a uh, uh, view of the tech stack uh, at Logicate. And could you give us the, the one-liner on, on what Logicate does as far as how do you make money? What's the actual business? Yeah, really. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I have a whole uh, elevator pitch uh, yeah. for it, but sometimes it gets lengthy. So I'll try, I'll try to cut it. So uh, we are GRC platform. It's acronym for governance, risk, and compliance. Mm -hmm. People usually are like, cool, what's that risk? You could think of like in the risk sector. Uh, and what we do is we help operationalize uh, these risk and compliance departments. Uh, so just to give a little history, a lot of these organizations, let's say six, seven years ago, just Excel spreadsheets, maybe very rigid software, uh, one-off software technologies just for their organization. Uh, mm -hmm. So we just help take them into the 21st century, essentially, uh, give them a nice, uh, flexible, easy to use uh, web uh, portal and web platform uh, to use to help um, manage those policies, procedures, and, and risk uh, uh, things that they have in, in their organization. It's something a lot of companies don't think about until an auditor comes knocking and they realize, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It was funny uh, when I uh, first uh, got reached out by, by two of the co-founders, uh, they're like GRC. I was like, uh, question mark, you know, like, well, I've never heard of that. And then it's like risk. Yeah. And then I heard about this whole term in coinage. I think it was around that time too, or maybe a little before it's like reg tech, which was like yeah. a whole sector, like regulation technology. And I was like, software so broad. That was like another eye opener and a humbling moment that like, oh, I thought I know, knew something about something. And it's like, no, there's actually this whole other sector, you know, of uh, domain expertise and technologies being used to solve these uh, business problems. So uh, that was definitely uh, one of very many humbling, humbling moments that I, you know, there's so much to software engineering and the tech space. Yeah, I it always used to be funny. Companies would get to a certain size, and then I would get the call when I, when I was recruiting. Um, basically. Oh no, we need someone in this role, right? A director of compliance or something like that. They're like, we yep. probably should have had them two years ago, but we didn't really even realize. We right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, well, uh, on the same vein, can you share a little bit what your your pathway into tech was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I went the I would call it personally. I, pretty sure others call it to the traditional route. So mm -hmm. I went through a, a four-year university. I was actually a physics major at the time. 
big aspirations. I wanted to be a PhD, do all these things, you know, be this, this wicked smart scientist, essentially. Um, took a coding course. I think it was, uh, it was like a requirement for me. Um, ended up like really liking it. I knew about coding, but I didn't know like what is code, what is programming, yeah. you know? Um, took it, actually really liked it. Um, started having what I would ca call uh, uh, probably like a uh, existential crisis one summer. Like, where do I want to go? Do I want to go in this uh, this physics route? Do I want to go into a different route? And 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 sort of reflecting and saying, I really like that programming course. Let me take more. And I took more and more. And I really it really just like ate me up. And then I got very into I would say my senior year of college, where I had primarily programming courses got really into like the startup scene uh and like what is a startup what's going on in silicon valley so to speak uh you know i see all these companies blowing up and uh seeing instagram blow up i remember back when i like down my friend showed me it in my mom's kitchen and they were like oh it's like tumblr but it's 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 only pictures with a caption, you know, on your phone. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that like, yeah. and, and then it like my senior year was like, everyone had it. So I was like, I got really interested in things like that. And from there sort of uh, went off, had a full-time, you know, got my full first full-time row, uh, full-time role um, in Boise, Idaho, out of just all places. I, sure. I lived in Boise uh, and then came back, did my master's, really wanted to scratch that itch of, um, the academic side, doing mm -hmm. research and, and, and really pushing my own bounds a little bit. Uh, but sort of during my time, I uh, got reached out by two of the co-founders at Logicate and sort of the rest is history. Um, I worked with them through the incubator and then all the way till now. And, and that's where I still am. I would say five years later, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. So but yeah, that's a little bit of my path. Your first role in in uh, as an engineer was um, was like right out of school. I'm assuming traditional as well. You're just applying to companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I had an internship um, experience while I was in college. I think it was my last year, if I'm not mistaken. It was like the last winter, and then I uh, did the last semester as well. Um, which word of advice I, I will say about internships and stuff like that: apply to posts that are old. So I mm. applied to a post that was like honestly, if I'm remembering correctly, a year and a half to two years old on my college's job board. And sure. I was like, might as well try. And two days later, I got like a response from the CTO. And he's like, come on in for an interview. <laughs> and I did not expect anything from it. Uh, so apply to any and all posts that you find interesting. And even if it goes, uh, the thought that went through my head or goes to anybody's head, why not? Yeah. do it like act on that intuition apply you never know what's going to happen having that internship experience really helped propel me forward uh in my career it gave me that sort of first bullet point on my resume outside of selling mobile phones that i was doing before that um that that broke me into the industry obviously with the, with the college degree um but but that experience helped me as well so Anything you find that you find interesting, even if it's old, apply, apply, apply. Yeah, early career um, folks, certainly. When, when I was working at a coding boot camp, helping people get their first job, like I think there's certainly a, a numbers game aspect to it. And yeah, the one caveat sure. I have to that is you can you can probably get away with less numbers if you actually follow up with someone at the company when you when you apply to things as well. Um, and when I was going through my own journey into to software development, that was my strategy was apply to a lot of things, but then make sure I 
at least try to find someone's email address that I can send a, a little note to. And my, I think my response rate went from around 10 to closer to 50%, even if it was, you know, the CTO saying, wow, you know, good job finding my email. I'll, I'll forward you to HR, right? At least someone saw it, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's why I personally am, um, because I found my job through this platform, I'm a pretty big advocate of it, which is LinkedIn. Uh, so mm -hmm. the co-founders actually reached out to me. And if it wasn't for LinkedIn, I would have never found this position in this organization. Um, I've had numerous, I think you actually messaged out to me on LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for probably how we got connected. Talk. Yeah, so ago. like, yeah. Uh, you know, just following up, finding people in those uh, hiring roles or hiring manager, I guess that is coined uh, those roles, connecting with them, messaging them, sending them like a compelling message and also applying for the gig really just puts you, uh, you know, in front of their face, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, even if they have 500 plus connections, you never know, you know, like you never know that 15 minutes to sat down and write a paragraph about a little bit about yourself and your experience and what you're looking for can go a long way where that person says, great, like you were just saying, let me put you to the, to the, to the recruiter and get you a phone call next week. Uh, yeah. So I'm a big advocate of reaching out to others as well, being proactive, going farther than just um, I applied to their website. Yeah, absolutely. And then as so you said, you, you found this, this role at Logic A, basically the founders reached out to you directly and you were, you, you weren't that far into your career, right? And, but, no. Yeah. I was, I was fr very fresh. I would say very fresh. Uh, very ambitious. <laughs> I was uh, I was in grad school. Uh, I had a part-time gig at this boutique uh, web development firm. Um, mm -hmm. So just some money, essentially, you know, I, I busy bee. I think that's maybe just like my family. I need to go to school, also work, also TA, yeah, like yeah. do all these things. I have to keep busy. Um, and then it was uh, one of the co-founders, John Siegler, actually mm -hmm. messaged me and um, said, hey, your skill set, I knew some Java, as I mentioned earlier, we're a Java platform. I knew some Java from college. I was doing um, a year at, when I was in Boise, I was doing Groovy, which is another JVM language mm -hmm. uh, development. So uh, some very rudimentary understanding of the JVM, essentially, uh, and how to code. And um, I remember that was uh, reach out to me. And then I, the day of the interview, fun story, day of the interview, I was extremely sick and i was like i need to push this back and i felt so bad and i was like i blew my shot like this is it thankfully uh, john was like no problem see you in a week and a half you know and and, and it was it was good to have that type of follow-ups so it was another reaffirmation uh, that you know we're all human you know things come yeah. up things happen so um but yeah and then uh, through through linkedin met with uh matt kunkel our ceo john siegler our cpo i had a coffee chat with them uh, about what is essentially GRC, what is Logicate, what are what are they trying to build here? And then I believe it was maybe the next weekend, I met with Dan Campbell, who's our uh, chief architect uh, and co-founder um, and had a little, little uh, technical interview uh, with them, just asking some high level questions and things like that. And uh, turned out they liked me, thankfully, and then uh, sort of proved myself on the job. I, I think obviously everyone's situation is different, but if early in your career, if you can get yourself into a startup, um, it, it's almost kind of a, a, a two-way street of you're taking a little bit of a chance on them, right? Because you're probably working maybe a little bit more than you might in a, a large yeah. company. And yep. um, you're probably having to figure more out, right? Than you would in a, a larger company. Um, but you also have the the opportunity to grow a lot more and, and kind of advance your career uh, much more rapidly. And, you know, 
there's upsides and downsides to, to every sure. situation. But I think if you can do that, if you're in a position where you can do that early in your career, like it does help kind of boost you a little bit, right? It takes maybe the, that mid-level stage in your career is a little bit shorter because you end up doing more senior level responsibilities earlier on, right? Yeah, I completely agree. It's a great opportunity. Not only are you wearing... Uh, a ton of different hats, so to speak, and getting a ton of experience. You're also getting this experience of like, what is it like to build a business? What is it like mm. to try and build, you know, something bigger than, you know, yourself or these organizations that you see like Twitter, Facebook, these, they had to start somewhere. What did it look like at that ground zero, so to speak? Um, definitely a lot of great like information coming from the sidelines. So for myself, although I was coding a lot, I got to understand more uh, intimately, like what do our customers want? What are people mm -hmm. looking for in this platform? What is it like to uh, build process around your growing startup? What does it look like to fundraise? Uh, what does it look like? Um, what are you looking for in individuals at this specific level? Uh, of Level as in level of the organization uh, where you are. Um, it was definitely a great experience. It definitely, uh, somebody actually made, I was reading a blog post and they said it's uh, joining a, like uh, a high growth, successful startup. Let's say the first like tw 10 employees, mm -hmm. it's like gaining, it's like a fast track to gaining an MBA because mm -hmm. you're learning how to grow. And MBA is really, from my understanding about like, you know, building a business, acquiring uh, the operational side of things of building the business, acquiring customers and things like that, and growing an organization. And you're learning that just on the job in like a real world setting. Uh, so I felt like I got a lot of good information. So I would recommend it. Um, there are longer hours is what I noticed when I was there at the, the starting thing. It was definitely a lot of um, come in at 9, 30, 10, don't leave till 8, 39 sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a lot, it was longer hours. Um, but definitely if somebody like wants that experience, wants to have all those, you know, wear different hats, have their hands in back end, front end, DevOps from a technical perspective, um, setting up CICD, like doing all these things. Um, it's, it's definitely a great experience. I, I would recommend it at least once, at least once. And then you could find out if this is for me or if it's not for me. And you know, there's no wrong answer there. Yeah. I I've never even thought about the business aspect of it before. I always think of from an engineering perspective, like you just mentioned, you do more, right? Because there's not a person who does DevOps you're the person who does DevOps and front and end back and then, and you got to learn how to use Neo 4J, right? Like get to do everything. Um, but from the business perspective, that's really interesting because that's something that I think from my background, I, I just assume, you know, people understand this stuff because they've run offices before, but that's an aspect that if you're just in a pure engineering role and you're, especially in a midsize or larger organization, I think often it's easy to be like, why are we getting this request? Like, I don't know, this is frustrating, exactly. annoying, right? Until you realize like when you're in that room oh this actually makes sense and this is there's reasons behind this it's not just people throwing stuff over the wall of engineering to be frustrated on purpose right right and th that's that's what's important as an organization grows as well to make sure that type of uh feedback and communication gets down all the way to uh you know engineers who yeah maybe are given a card they should have context as to why what's the use case how does it benefit this com customer does it hit a bunch of customers is there maybe a sales call i could listen to that was recorded uh or, you know let me have more contextual knowledge around the thing that i'm building i find that's immensely important um uh, 
almost having this like product driven mindset as an engineer, uh, going farther than just the technology and, and understanding, being empathetic to the user as well is definitely important and definitely helps you make, uh, even while you're working on something, those those calls maybe that you need to make or um, ideas come up where you're like, well, actually based on these things I heard, this thing that we're building it this way might not be the best. Let me let me get some people involved. Let me chat about this idea, uh, how, and maybe something evolves to be even better of a feature. So definitely, I, I'm, I'm I'm very pro getting as a company grows too, having that contextual knowledge still still be able to trickle down to everybody. Well, great. Well, on the topic of hiring, I'm assuming as the company's grown, you've been involved in hiring in different different aspects and probably different roles as well as yeah. your roles grown. Um, but have you been doing a lot of technical interviews internally lately? Yeah. So um, personally, like I don't do the, let's say technical, technical, I'm not asking coding questions and things like that. I do like the hiring managing screening, uh, which is to get an understanding, getting a feel for the individual, getting a feel for their background. What are they looking out for? Make sure there's a mutual fit. And then asking them, um, uh, not really a technical question, but a question around, I frame it in like a code review process, depending on uh, the, the experience level. And then what we do here at Logicate, which I, I find is honestly probably the, one of the better ways, uh, is it's a take-home challenge. So we don't do on-site, um, hey, here's this uh, you know binary search tree or whatever algorithms out there, code this up while I'm peering over your shoulder. Um, we found that to be extremely, well, extremely stressful. Uh, I remember I've had situations that I could, I could talk about where I was do that in front of, I think it was two or three people and it was yeah. uh, immensely stressful. And I could talk about that uh, later, uh, but the take home problem uh, is just, you do it at your own time. We usually give like a week time frame. People sometimes return it sooner. Um, and then uh, we're looking just for different things at different levels, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's really variable. But we found out the take home, you do it at your own time. We tell people it shouldn't take you a week. It shouldn't, you shouldn't spend 16 hours or even eight hours on this. Time box yourself no more than maybe three to four. Four is like super max. Mm-hmm. Uh, about like two to three should be how long you take on this um, coding challenge. Obviously, it's up to them how long they want to. Uh, but uh, we found that to just be better. And then they return it, we review the code. And if they come to an, uh, uh, the final round, then we ask follow-up. Our engineers ask follow-up questions mm-hmm. around um, their experience, uh, technical questions around their experience, but also around th- their code submission too. So we found that to be just obviously less stressful, gives you a, more of a real world feel where you'll be working on a problem without somebody peering over your shoulder and things like that. Although, although there are stressful situations as being a software engineer, production goes down, things like that. Yeah. It's never somebody's looking over your shoulder, seeing exactly what you type. Uh, you're working as a team at that point to figure out that issue. Um, so so to, to segue back, I go through the hire manager screening, making sure mm-hmm. to look at their background and then ask them this, this one question that I like asking. Um, and then I really want to again, elevate our current engineers and get them involved in the interview process. So they gain those skills too, of reviewing others, uh, uh, candidates code, being a mm-hmm. part of that onsite and things like that. Yeah. I think that's so important. If you're doing, um, a, a take home is knowing, okay, this is actually going to be used later. Right. I, I think the arbitrary hacker ranks that just it's pass fail, right. To get to a real conversation with someone is frustrating for a lot of people, but do this exercise. And then we're actually going to talk about it in your interview. I think yeah. that's so, I mean, it's such a 
better way of interviewing. And it does give, you know, there's still maybe time issues for some folks, right? Do they have the time to de- dedicate to it? But as far as the, uh, an ideal situation, it's probably as close as you can get, right? If you're not invoking all this stress and all this, um, I don't know, test anxiety that people get when they're yep. sat in a room with, <laughs> with someone asking to regurgitate some code, they might not have thought about it in <laughs> years, right? Yeah. And yeah. And the interesting part is once you get to like the onsite and you talk about your coding challenge, it's more of a conversation at that point. You don't mm-hmm. feel too much like you're being tested because you made it to the final round. Yeah. It's more of like, Hey, let's talk about your code. Let's see if you could take it a little further. If we ask some like follow-up, maybe optimization questions as an example, or ask you just to explain yourself, why did you structure it this way? Right. Mm-hmm. And if you could accurately like articulate yourself or talk to it um say like hey i found some stuff on stack overflow read up on it and like this was this was the standard or maybe um how everybody in the java ecosystem is doing this in in spring boot um so i wanted to mimic that Uh, that's like that's fair you went out you researched you did some due diligence as you would on on the job uh pretty much and then we've also had cases where we asked um a uh, question, I believe uh, it was like, why didn't you use in, in Java eight streams in this like functional programs is the new standard. Why didn't you use, you know, a stream for this? And the mm-hmm. answer was, I haven't had the opportunity to use it, but I would love to learn. Right. That was huge for us in that interview process. Just that I would love to learn. I'm open to learning that. I want to learn that. That's why I'm here you know, is I, I want to learn from somebody more experienced. That was huge for us. Uh, we actually ended up hiring that individual and they've done a stellar job. They are like uh, amazing. So it's really good. We like this um, take home because it, it, it has those type of responses, which people might not think that you're looking for being open and honest. You know, I don't know. I want to learn. That's huge. That's like a very big uh, uh, trait that we're looking for uh, in our engineers at LogicGate. Yeah, especially at a growing company, right? The role you get hired for and what that role looks like six months or a year later could be very different, right? Just exactly. depending on as things change. I'm sure as, as you've seen there over the years, <laughs> it, it could drastically change yep. uh, pretty quickly. Um, what are some of those things you're, it sounds like evaluating for uh, curiosity, eagerness to learn, um, kind of interest in, in code and obviously the JVM in general, but is there any other kind of um, key qualities you're, you're trying to evaluate for? Doing your yeah, process? particularly myself, when I when I look at um, candidates and I ask them this one question, I'm getting I'm sort of getting to, to this trait that I'm looking for is empathy. Empathy mm-hmm. is huge. Um, I think to be able to at least attempt to be empathetic, to understand somebody else, maybe on the other side of the conversation, or when you're looking, the question I ask is around code reviews and uh, sort of what language are you using to give feedback? It's having that empathetic approach that we're more than our code. There's somebody else on the other side of that screen. Let's give constructive criticism and it shouldn't be hurtful. You know, we should be empathetic to the other person that just spent maybe six, seven hours a day, two days working on this thing, uh, you know, and and giving that feedback. So empathy is very much top of my list um, and and being compassionate. Um, I feel like uh, those are, to me, the most important on top of curiosity, eagerness to learn, like you mentioned, and, and, and the rest of those type of those type of traits. 
yeah, I, I have said often um, that I think engineering is somewhat a low empathy um, industry. And, uh, and it's actually kind of funny because I think I came from the lowest industry, like empathy industry, right, in the recruiting world. So it's always interesting and, and something that is difficult to keep in mind. Again, if you're separated from what the use case is, right, and all you're seeing is a ticket, sometimes it's very easy to get in this just – almost combative mindset of like, why do we have to do this if it doesn't make sense to me immediately? Right. And I think that having that empathy of even having the empathy for whoever gave you the ticket, right. Or, or trying to get in the head of why might this be useful instead of, Oh, I have to do this. That doesn't make sense to me immediately. is so helpful. And just morale is like, it's so much higher if everyone can be in that mindset versus like, uh, we got more stuff to do. Right. Yeah. And it really helps cultivate this like team mentality too. Like mm-hmm. I'm a part of team. Let me try to understand the other side. It's okay to disagree. Let's disagree and commit if we need to, to something. Um, so it, it really helps build this, this team mentality, which I think is extremely important as well as you're trying to push towards some goal is working as a team. There are definitely rockstar developers and engineers out there. Um, but my, I personally would take a team that's gelling very well together over that one rockstar engineer. Yeah. I think we've seen a little bit of a shift in, in the industry, as far as like the average company, I, I think you get more people who realize, Oh, a cohesive team is going to produce more consistently and over a longer period of time than, you know, having one person who at any given time could go to some other company who will pay them twice as much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's, uh, I like that you bring it up. It's even from like a business perspective, if they are producing more consistently, they're probably going to stay longer yep. so long as they have like team happiness and work-life balance. And they're, they're, they're still challenged with some of the work that they're doing as well. So it, it really plays into not only like the engineering sphere, but like your entire business sphere that like, if people are happy in the teams that they're working on and with the individuals that they work on, they're, probably going to stay longer, produce better work, um, come up with great ideas because they're working together and sharing ideas with each other and things like that. So it really helps push in just like all facets of the organization to have a team that you're, you're working, working well with. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting studies that, that um, have talked about what, basically what, what keeps someone at a job. And it seems that those are three of the biggest things is basically a sense of like, like they're still learning or still accomplishing something. Right. Um, that is interesting to them, um, being like recognized, right. Like mm-hmm. having a manager who actually supports them and kind of recognizes and supports them. Um, and then, um, just enjoying their coworkers to some extent, right. Are you friendly with these people yep. or are they just, you know, basically computers that you receive information from. Right. And it's crazy to think that like, it's that simple sometimes, but that's certainly been the difference between staying at a job for a year in the past for me versus several years. Right. Where I go, you know, I could leave, but be hard to find a situation this nice again. Right. 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 That's sort of, I I would say that's probably one of the reasons I'm been with Logicate for so long is I really love the individuals that I work with. Uh, It's just always such a collaborative environment. Um, and, and it's just like, obviously there's disagreements, there's agreements and everything, but it, at the end of the day, we understand that, Hey, we're a team trying to work to a common goal. Uh, so let's, let's, you know, come up with solutions together. Let's share those things. Let's be transparent, which is extremely important with each other. Uh, so that's sort of like one of the reasons I'm, I'm with Logicate for so long is just like the, the team I work with is just fantastic. 
Well, on, on the flip side of that, I, I, it seems like, right. If, if you haven't worked at, um, you know, a whole multitude of companies over your career, then maybe you haven't been in a ton of these, but right. how do you feel, um, in the past you've done in technical interviews when you were the interviewee? Not good, not good at all. It was very stressful for me. Um, I've had two situations I could share where I completely bombed it, completely bombed it. Um, uh, one was actually the internship that I got. And I think it was, I'll talk about this, this CTO took a chance on me, which I'm forever grateful for. Uh, but it was, I remember the problem till this day. It was a whiteboarding problem. He sat down. I remember doing research. He had a PhD that worked on like, if I'm not mistaken, like networking switches and stuff like that from a, a very well-renowned, uh, I was intimidated, I would say. Yeah. I was intimidated to say the least. They asked me a question, read in a file, and every time the file, the line that you read in, this text file in the line had foo or bar, print out that line, right? Mm -hmm. As I'm saying it now, I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. You know, it's just like a, I'm like a for loop, you know, I'm gonna put an if statement maybe and yeah. check the line for the this, this you know, uh, either the, the each character, as a whole, or, or the string, the substring, um, and I froze up. I completely froze up. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I barely know how to write a function, and this was in Java. Uh, I don't remember anything, and I remember them saying, are you, oh, pause, are you nervous? And I said, absolutely. And I, I pseudocoded stuff out, just like I started writing words, because that was mm -hmm. at least, at least the default, and I feel like this is good advice that I got, was at least showcase where you're thinking. If you don't even yeah, know yeah. the syntax, show that you could solve the problem. Syntax, we could learn. Um, and I remember uh, them saying that, uh, are you nervous? Yes. And they're like, okay, I'm going to give you a shot. Just don't be nervous on the job. And I remember that <laughs> like taking a chance on me, obviously up to luck, uh, really helped me. Uh, so I keep that in mind when I'm, I'm looking at individuals and candidates is sometimes they just need that opportunity. Um, yeah. And then the second time, this was when I was looking for a full-time role uh, after this uh, internship, uh, I was in a room doing another whiteboard, sort of asking me a question. Um, and I had three people this time instead of one individual, three senior engineers looking at me and they, I, I honestly, I don't remember the question. I feel like I, I blacked out a little bit probably during that. Um, and then I didn't even, they asked me a question. Do you know the difference between a public like variable and like a private variable? Mm -hmm. And I remember just freezing completely. Like now, yes, I could probably answer it, but being young, inexperienced, not knowing, very intimidated, I couldn't answer it. I bombed that interview completely. I was like, I, I don't even think I said words. I was just like <laughs> shook my head because I was, I think I was just somewhere else. So those are the two interviews as in like being the interviewee, it was very difficult for me. Those were, I, I still believe probably I would, if I went for an interview, technical interview, I probably might do the same thing. You know, that's why going back to the take home, we find that to be better. You're in a yeah, comfortable, yeah. familiar environment when you're doing things, you're not having peering eyes, looking at your every you know, step of what you code on a whiteboard uh, and things like that. So I have definitely had troubles uh, doing that. The one good one that I did have, I could share is the job, uh, the uh, job opportunity I got right after um, college. I went to Hewitt Packard mm -hmm. in Boise. And I remember getting interviewed uh, by the technical lead. The technical lead, we went to this big 
conference room. The table had to have like 16, 20 people, something like that. Uh, seats, they weren't in there. It was just me and him. He said at one end, gave me a laptop, gave me an hour, wrote a question on the board. And then he said, I'm going to be on the other side of this table. So you have some space, use the internet, use whatever you got to do, just solve this problem. And I thought that was fantastic. I was yeah. like, I could ask him questions. I went up to the board after I started like Googling stuff because I never coded in Groovy before. Uh, Googling things, asking him some questions, drawing some stuff. He'd come up, answer questions and go back and do his own thing, um, which was, it just felt more comfortable than having him them completely always like looking at me. Uh, so that was a very good interview experience, even though it was in person with another person. It was like, I'm going to work on this thing for an hour. I'm your, your resource. Use mm -hmm. me. But at the end, at the hour, I'll come back and we'll go through your solution together, uh, which I thought was another great way from doing interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. And and I ask this question to folks not to, you know, make you uh, relive traumatic experiences of, of interviewing, but um, to, to more so show that, you know, if someone listening to this or watching this is interested in or has goals to be a director or an engineering manager in the future, you don't have to be a stellar interviewer at, at doing whiteboarding interviewing, right? There are companies out there that interview in different ways. And there's also plenty of opportunities to present skills that you don't that aren't, you know, doing this on a whiteboard, um, that can land you in roles that will work yourself into that. Right. Um, and, exactly. and I, I love that, that I actually just went through an interview process very similar to what you mentioned at, at, um, HP where, uh, it was for a next, um, dot JS role and I'm not a next person, not really even a react developer. Right. So, um, it was, I did a little take home and then basically the follow-up was, um, adding a couple new functionality, uh, that they, they requested. And I would, okay, I, I don't know how to do that, but I can probably figure it out in the next half hour, right? And they were there to help guide along the way. Yep. And first time I had done something like that and I went, makes a lot more sense to me rather than um, some arbitrary question, right? Is that yep. I wish I wouldn't spend all that time leak code uh, studying for this, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. And that's, yeah, I feel like the, the leak code one is definitely, you're definitely learning computer science topics, data structures, algorithms, and things like that. But I would always ask myself like, how often it's good to have this knowledge, but like how often on my day-to-day -day will I do this binary search tree or this yeah. red black tree or whatever it may be. There are situations where it comes in usefulness, but I feel like in the situations where you notice that usefulness, it's a Google away to find out like how to do yeah. those things. Right. I, I don't need to pull it from memory. Yeah. Do you have any tips or, or advice for uh, folks who are going into technical interviews? Yeah, uh, a, a fantastic question. Um, the hardest part, try and stay calm. Very mm -hmm. difficult. I think I gave two examples where I couldn't I, I couldn't do it. I could not stay calm. Um, ask clarifying questions. Uh, this goes back into like finding traits of curiosity. Uh, like mm -hmm. just ask clarifying questions. Ask, well, well, what if this? Uh, is this the expected output? You know, if we're talking in a situation like that. Um, and be vocal. Uh, ask questions. And then the other ones, be vocal in your solution. Talk about what's going in on your head. This goes back to sort of the, 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 my internship interview where I couldn't figure out the syntax because I froze up, but I at least started talking and writing down in just plain English where I'm thinking how, to, how I would solve or write this function. Let me showcase 
what's going on in your brain? What are you thinking about? What are questions you're asking yourself? Uh, it gives people that, that peering into how do you solve problems, right? Which I would say is arguably probably more important than do you know uh, the entire API of the of Java, you know, like, do you know how to do everything? No, it's okay. That's why we have IDEs. Uh, that's why we have, you know, uh, Googling things, uh, searching for answers, API documentations and stuff like that. Um, it's more important of how do you solve this problem? How would you have solved this problem? Of course, there needs to be some type of aptitude, right, in, in, in syntax and knowing some type of syntax, but it doesn't have to be 100% perfect, uh, you know, so long as you can convey and, and speak to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. I think gets to the theme of like, if you're frozen doing something, right, um, starting with something, like what is the, what is the most, the smallest chunk you can start with. And often pseudocode is, is at least something, right? You can start yep. putting something. I, exactly. I, so sometimes people want to jump right into coding, right? And it's, well, can you at least talk through your idea with the interviewer? And then once you start, usually it's easier to keep rolling, right? But it's that frozen, I think a lot of people have been there, right? When you're just frozen, yeah. it's hard to do anything, right? But once you have some basic piece, right? If it's right, something on the board, like I would put an if check in here. Great, yeah. that's step one. Right, 100%. You make you bring up a good point. Um, essentially, solving the problem before your hands hit the keyboard. 90% of your, your time should be spent thinking and solving the problem. 10% should be coding it up. Yeah. Uh, like really thinking through the facets and, and interacting with, if you're on a team already, interacting with your teammates. If you're in an interview session, uh, talking about getting those clarifying questions, talking and solving that problem vocally, maybe in just written English or some written form, and then going to the code. Mm -hmm. That will help solidify what steps do I need to take? Yeah. I'm not like erasing and going back. I already solved and asked the questions. Now I could really think about the syntax. And it's like phase one is done. What I would consider probably the hard part, phase one's done. Yeah. Phase two is syntax. It doesn't have to be perfect, but so long as you could showcase that, yes, I, I know how to code. You know, like I know how to do, I understand these, these concepts if for loops, double for loops, you know, the things like that. Why would you use a double for loop or not? And just talk to those things. It, it, it definitely, in my book, it definitely raises uh, that person above others that just go straight to, to, to coding. Yeah. Do you have any different advice for, for early career engineers? Or is it roughly the same? Yeah, probably roughly the same, especially with um, just talking about what's going on in your head. So being new to the industry, you may not be the expert in, synt in the syntax, whatever language you're using, Ruby, JavaScript, Python, uh, Java, whatever it may be. And that's okay. That should be uh, uh, really assumed by the hiring manager since you're trying to break into the industry. What, again, is more important is how did you solve this problem? Mm. How did you come to the conclusion of what we're trying to get to? Um, we could teach you the syntax on the job, teaching somebody a way of thought of solving a problem is a little is dif more difficult than teaching somebody syntax. So just be vocal, always talk, be talkative. Communication as you grow in your um, engineering career, I would say maybe even all careers, becomes increasingly more important. If you can both writtenly and verbally communicate what you're trying to say or what's going on in your brain becomes so important. And doing that in the interview process, if you're newer in your engineer, showcases that I'm at least trying to take my uh, the right step forward to verbalize and communicate to you how I would like to solve this problem. 
um, even if I don't know, I'm not an expert or know all the syntax. Yeah. And, and I think that line you, you said earlier that impressed you, um, right. If someone doesn't know a specific topic, right. I think you often run into that early in your career of, you know, someone goes, do you know, no sequels? I don't know. I, I have some familiarity with SQL, but I'd love to learn, right. Showing right. that willingness to learn and that curiosity, I think is, is obviously uh, very important. Absolutely. Completely agree. Great. Um, well, uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll move into the uh, the the interview section. Which is going to be a little bit different than than elite code style question, um, because since you, you don't do that at, at Logic, you want to show something that's um, or talk through something that's maybe a little bit more realistic to what you might be looking for. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thank you for watching the first half of the professional technical interviewee. The technical interview will be released one week from this episode, so be sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.